Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. Don't you just love it when one single game demands it just take a million bajillion hours of your time? Yeah, especially when there's just all kinds of useless stuff and pointless dialogue to skip through. I love it. Yes. So, okay. So this week we're kind of sort of it's it's a loose topic this week. Like I'm, I, I was thinking about how games a lot of times will just demand a lot of time and whether it's necessary for them to do so. Uh, in part because I'm bouncing between the recently released Ghost of Tsushima and Persona 5 Royal. And Persona 5 Royal, as you guys know, I've been playing since... When did it release? Like, end of March? Yeah. So, by end of March, so I've been playing it since, like, April, May, June, and now July. So, it's like four months of my time to this one game. Ghost of Tsushima just released, and I played it a lot the Thursday night when it unlocked. I played through a lot of it Friday and then Saturday. And by the end of Saturday... I realized I'm going to get sick of this game if I don't take a break. Um, so I wasn't. I'm not exactly prepared for this as a as a good podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm always be. I'm always prepared for this. You always so. prepared for yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, so I'm in, so I, I've been playing some of the same stuff as Chris. We've been talking about it on the podcast, but yeah, so I'm a little behind him in Persona, but slowly catching up. I'm also behind him in Ghosts of Tsushima, but there he's widening the gap quickly. Uh, that's also a shorter <laughs> game. So I think what comes to mind, so Ghost of Tsushima and then also the recent Assassin's Creed games, uh, or all the Assassin's Creed games, let's be serious, is that Ubisoft flavor. Um, there's, there's sort of two, two types of things that extend the length. The one thing is quests. And I feel like so far, so one of my complaints about Assassin's Creed Odyssey origins actually more was that there were lots of quests to do and they didn't really add anything to the game they didn't there was there there didn't feel to be any consequences the rewards were mediocre they weren't particularly well acted or well presented and so it just felt like a lot of a lot of filler. Go here, do this. Go here, do this. Go here, do this. Because you need to level up to get to the next part of the game. Yeah. Go here, kill ten wharf rats right. in the wharf. Yeah. Um, kind right. of a deal. And and then there's the other kind of padding that both these games have. Or I haven't gotten as far into Ghost of Tsushima to know how much padding this is. But it's sort of like the okay. Here are all of these places that you need to do the same thing. Um, so. So, like, okay, here is a stronghold, and there's a boss in the stronghold, or in Assassin's Creed Origins, there's prisoners to free in the stronghold, and so you got to go to the stronghold and kill the boss and free the prisoners or do whatever, yeah. and it's sort of like they're all over the map, and you just have to find them to get your reward, and, and the guy who plays Destiny 2... Um, addictively doesn't have much space to be complaining about this Um, but it feels a lot a lot like like padding eventually where you see all these you know that's out there and Ghost of Tsushima at least does you the courtesy of not just puking them all over your map right away Ghost of Tsushima, in part, this this might end up being the open world philosophy or or 
uh, preferences podcast because for me with Ghost of Tsushima, it's a combination of things. Because um, one of the things that I realized within those opening hours was there is a sense of discovery in there. But at the same time, I started to realize every house that I've gone into has had nearly the exact same interior. Hmm. And that I'm in the very beginning portion of the game and I'm seeing this copy-paste element is actually not very good to me. Like, to me, like, because you want to go in and you want to get supplies. It's like, oh, do they have linen? Do they have leather? Do they have supplies? You know? You're a terrible person. Yes. I don't, I don't take... I am a... Look, look, this, this is a game where I get, I would not be surprised if one of the themes is that honor is a privilege of the wealthy. Hmm. I have, I guarantee you that is a potential, and if it's not, then it's a wasted opportunity. Because, so for me, you're playing. I, we, were talking, we already talked about this a little bit. I, I am a samurai. <laughs> all right? And if I see that a house is inhabited, I'd take nothing <laughs> from the house. It's going to take you a long time to upgrade your gear. You know what? That's fine. <laughs> Actually, it's not. Because at some point, you start to find less stuff in the houses, which is... Because like, you're stealing it all, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I'm making minimal use of assassinations. I'm not stealing from the peasants that I'm supposed to be protecting. Meanwhile, I've been waiting for a ninja game of this style for forever. And it's not the best in that regard. Like, one of the things that I pointed out when I streamed it uh, this week on Monday, um, and I might have another Thursday stream, I don't know, so check back on my Twitch. You might find it video on demand. Um... But one of the things that I pointed out was you can't, like, assassinate through doors. So they're paper doors, very mm. thin, and, and you they can make see that, the silhouette of the enemy on the other side. And they make it very clear that these doors are flimsy because more than once you'll you find, find one of these, a busted up a door. Busted through yeah, door yeah. Busted through. Or the Mongolian tents have their flaps. Yeah. And you can't just, like, assassinate someone. And this feels like something that's even very early Assassin's Creed. Where it's like, stab someone, pull them into the hay cart. Like, that's yeah. in the first game kind of a deal. Like, I feel like by this game, if you are trying to play Ninja Guy, you should have that option. And there's no such option. So, um, it's it's technically not a very good assassin game. But I'm still fine enough with the stealth. Because it's been a while since i played a game where you can just about nearly one-shot everyone no matter what, even if it's Big Fatty with a hammer, you can just give him a knife in the side, under the armpit, in the neck, and then he's dead. Yeah. Which, I, again, this game is kind of disturbing in how precise it is. In, like, you're not just killing someone, you're like, you know the vital points, and it's kind of disturbing. Yeah, in this game, it is, there's a little bit of disturbingness uh, in that. So one of the things that just made me think of, we're talking about open world philosophy and padding and other things. So, one game... The open world game that I think did a lot of things right, not that it did everything right, is Fable. Right? And so... Is that really open world? It's open world-ish. But when I'm thinking well, about... Fable 2 would be Fable more 2, yeah. Fable 2 is maybe more I'm thinking of. But so, um, that's, that's a game where there's consequence... There's all these, these typical open world actions, like Chris is going around and just robbing peasants blind, that... There's a there's a consequence to that in the game beyond just like 
there's I think there's like two ends of it. Like you could have the sort of like Elder Scrolls type deal, where like oh you just accidentally stole something off of a shop and now all of the guards are coming to kill you right now. Well, they're getting you to pay first. Oh right, yeah. The um, and then there's the fable version, which is like oh now you're a bad person because you steal. How do you feel about being a bad person? And evidently, it means you get really good powers in some ways. Like, right? Fable's been very bad about that, but but, I mean, that's, 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 but it's it's something that that sort of adds. There's it's there's I guess padding in there. Like, so padding is I need to collect resources for crafting, for purchasing things, for uh, you know eating to heal myself. And you make an additional system in there that makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Um, it might actually honestly be more worthwhile to go in samurai style or at least pick some guys from like the, the ninja perspective and then just go in and be like challenge the rest to a duel but it's but that, that, that goes a bit however actually no okay so let's talk about them outposts alright even yeah. they like and that's like the Far Cry issue too right Far Cry's got a whole bunch of outposts that you go and Far Cry, with, Horizon Zero Dawn, yeah. every, everybody, yeah. Infamous had Infamous, them. yeah. Um, and of course Sucker Punch did the Infamous games. Now the thing with Infamous is they focused it more on territory control. I think Infamous might have did, done this better than Assassin's Creed did originally. Because um, I, like I always felt like Sucker Punch's games, or at least the Infamous line, was a Ubisoft game done better. That's what my, always been my impression. This one I feel is that 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 same mentality they learn from witcher 3 they might have learned a bit from breath of the wild um they've learned where like open worlds have been going and they decided okay let's add in some of that discoverability let's add in like now you're tracking the prince like because even like witcher's got witcher vision right right um horizon had horizon vision i don't know what they called it like you'd be able to like the game would point out here's the tracks you gotta follow here they don't have anything explicitly showing you and yet they kind of do it's weird yeah because they're like there's more objective markers than they let you on to believe and yet at the same time it's still not awful and especially because quest to quest like i had a legendary quest that had a poorly drawn very low detail map but it had enough details on it that i was able to look at the environment and think oh that's the direction i gotta go so I started heading there, and I found my way through the rest of the quest. So it's got a lot... And this is where, again, like I've talked to... Because Nolan, of course, was... Now it's like one of the big jokes. Yeah. It's like, I love Breath of the Wild. Nolan claims it's a really bad game. Um, and you... Uh, your big issue is like you feel like it doesn't respect your time. And for me, Breath of the Wild is like that perfect sort of freedom of where do I want to go I want to go that way and like you're the one in, in, in the seat you're the one determining where you go and when and you can explore wherever whenever Ghost of Tsushima is sort of like that I mean again part of the biggest thing with Zelda is you can also climb anything you can't climb anything in Ghost of Tsushima but it's more free than Horizon was and well and part of the, the deal with and this is one of my issues with you know with Breath of the Wild is yes you can climb any anything but you might not have the stamina to actually climb it and so attempting to climb it might just mean that you fall to your death 
that's what I call challenge mode because that's why when mid climb and against all sense of gravity and logic, you eat a whole bunch of stamina boosting food so you can keep climbing. But that's part of the preparation where you're like, that's a really big mountain. Let me cook all the stuff that I need and then I can try climbing that mountain. And yeah, you might screw up, but it's like, that's the challenge. That's the challenge. And you, Mr. Competitive Weightlifter guy, bench presser, you should understand that. You should understand yeah. that. Like, okay, <laughs> maybe next time I need. 20 things of stamina just, instead of 15. Like. I'm just imagining I, I've got too much weight. The bar's crushing against my chest. But, like, I've got some mushrooms over here. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 mushrooms, mushrooms. That's exactly how it is. No, no, no. In real life, it would be protein, protein. Protein, protein, yeah. But I don't know. And, and that's something I, I keep on having a lot of in boss fights in Breath of the Wild. Is like, oh, I've got some mushrooms. They give me health back. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. The, the last fight I did in that game was, like, I literally broke every single weapon, and my last thing was a spear. Was it a boss fight? It was a boss fight. It was one of the Ganon, one of the... Okay. And I, literally the thing I did is, like, I had my last weapon was my spear, and I threw my spear and landed the death blow with my spear that broke as, I, as it hit when I threw it. Doesn't that feel good? It felt kind of good at the moment, but I would... But you wouldn't have been out of weapons, because you would have still had your bombs. Uh, that's true. They'd have been less efficient, but you would have still had your bombs. And that's the thing. Like, you're technically never without option, but you might not have the best option. And I feel like that's where it can so speaking get of to people. But padding, padding, running around looking for weapons, because you keep breaking your weapons, and you get these great guardian weapons, and you're like, ooh, I love this. And then you break it, and you're like, oh, I gotta use this, but like, you'll always... crappy goblin spear again. See, see, I always had a mixture, because that was, like... Oh, I really like this Guardian Blade or whatever. But then it's like, oh, I really like this Lazolfos Trifork thing. And I, like, I, 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 yeah. there's all kinds of stuff. And also the the nice little touches, like the enemy can catch the boomerang you throw at them. They can do that sometimes. But no, it's it's it, and of course being able to like stop the enemy emotion. But that, that that's a different topic. Um, but if we do want to talk about padding, Korok seeds. Or rather, if you actually want to get all, what is it, like 900 of them, yeah. you don't get anything worth it. What? Yeah, that was like, what, flags in Assassin's Creed? That yes. was the one thing. I basically 100% completed <laughs> that game. back in Tsushima. You I, get banners instead. I, I basically oh. 100% of the game, except for I didn't get the I did. I like, I thought about getting the flags, and I just didn't do it. I did it when I was unemployed after college, and I used Achievement Hunters to do it. And um, to feathers, get everyone I didn't find feathers uh, in Assassin's Creed Two. Feathers had, it was uh, feathers was a mixed bag because it had sort of a narrative thing. Right, they actually gave you so that was they put a little carrot on the on the feathers. Yeah, and so that helped. And that's I guess and your prize was something that basically makes guards alert of you all the time, all day, every day. It was hard mode. The yeah. reward was hard mode cloak. But so and I think that's that's a lot of times that's that's where there's this fine line between content and padding, right? Yeah. Is it feels like content when it's rewarding you. Maybe it's rewarding you with well-framed cutscenes. So so this is something Ghost of Tsushima does well, where even the incidental cutscenes they have this dramatic framing to them. Where I'm just talking to some chick on the farm. And she's not even, actually, it's not even a, a side quest. It's just a random conversation. Yeah. And where, you know, in 
Persona 5, it would just be like text, 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 text. In Ghost of Tsushima, not that they're comparable, but just in Ghost of Tsushima, it's fully it's voice like, acted. It's, it's fully, fully voice acted. It switches to the cinematic view and makes it look interesting. And the voice acting is very good. And so you, you know, whatever, like I'm having this conversation about how they're grateful, you know, for the samurai and they understand the sacrifices that the samurai make to protect their simple life or something like yeah. that. It feels authentic and emotional. And so it makes it rewarding for me to go around and talk to random people. Well, and something else that I'll say about Ghost of Tsushima is I've stumbled upon side quests three ways. The first is you find somebody that tells you about it. Now, this could be in that golden temple that's just in the middle of the first zone. Yeah. It could be... I killed a bunch of Mongols that had tied up somebody and that person told me about it. Uh, just any any kind of person could just tell me. Or I stumbled upon a little village and they're like, oh, by the way, something happened over here. Um, so there's a whole lot of ways that you can hear about uh, side quests just from people. Yeah. But then a bird. The golden birds, yeah. The golden birds could show you towards a lot of things and sometimes it's to a side quest. And then there was just one time I just stumbled upon someone that's like, oh, I have this quest for you. It's like, oh, these bandits stole my rice. I need you to go, um, don't kill them, but please get my rice back. Uh, and that was an interesting quest as well. And it's a small little quest that has, you're right, it's, like it's got enough writing in there that it's not like a full-blown Witcher 3 side quest kind of a thing. But it's still just a small detail where all you're going is you're going, you're fighting some guys, and then you're coming back and you're getting your reward. But... The, the the context of what happens, like, the, the character, like, enough happens that it's like, I remember that quest. Um, but yeah. that's the thing, like, there, there, so there's, like, three ways that I've just stumbled upon quests. I found an Inari shrine without finding the fox den. I was just exploring, and I'm like, oh, look, an Inari shrine. And I, you know, was, paid the respects, and then there's the fox, and they get to pet the fox. So that, that and that's, like, so that was another thing I noticed. So it's, it's the little things that it's... Again, it's the the carrot, I guess, that that gets you to do it. Where, so like petting the fox is fun. Like it's fun the to the real quest is petting the fox. Right. That's the the real <laughs> reward isn't the charm or whatever you get from the shrine. It's petting the fox at the end, and and so they make this like, how would you say it? So. I feel like the, you know, there's the obvious metaphor, carrot or stick, right? That's what everyone talks about. So what I feel like is where it feels like padding is where it's the stick, where if you don't, if you're not leveled up enough, you don't have the right upgrades. If you don't have this and that, then you can't continue on in the game. So that feels like the stick kind of like, I can't play this game. I can't play this game how I want to play it until I get beaten with the stick a little bit yeah versus i find this interesting i find these people interesting i find these stories moving i find all these things that i want to do it on for its own sake yeah and now i get to the point where it's somewhere in between because one of the things people tell you is don't bother 100 percent in ghost of tsushima if you don't want to like if you just want to go with the main story go with the main story but I'm the kind of personality that I see in complete territory. I want to complete that, which is again, like, I'm going to need to have other games to play in between, like, two or three day sessions of playing this. 
Um, which is why, again, like I'm now working on Persona 5 Royal and I'm on the last palace there. Um, but with Ghost of Tsushima, like, I was reaching a point where I felt like, man, I must be almost done this first zone. And then when I look at the map, oh, I'm only about 50% of the first zone. And that gives this feeling, because it's like, I again, I played this game so many hours. Like, the daylight just went by. But I think there's also a point of exhaustion, because you want to feel progress, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to just be caught in that loop. And I think that's part of where a lot of games struggle, is what is the sense of progress? And for Ghost of Tsushima, I feel like I make a lot of progress until I check that map. And that's where, and this is coming from someone that currently is unemployed, doesn't have kids he's got to take care of, you know? So I've got a lot more time to be playing this game than other people, and I've made more progress than you and Nolan, who are both working right now. And it's like, this is a game where it's, it's going to take a lot of time out of me. Um, but, again, part of that is also personal play style. For me, that means just taking breaks once in a while. Yeah. Um, juggling this in another game. But I still feel like there's a point where, maybe for the sake of progress, the world might be too big. Now, the first zone seems bigger than the next two zones. Mm -hmm. Each of the, the zones seem like they get smaller as they go. So there's three major parts of the game, and they front-loaded that first part with a lot of activities. Which means you could also get really powerful really quickly. Um, and possibly steamroll the rest of the game. That's what I was seeing a lot of stuff about, like, try and unlock this by the end of Act 1, unlock this by the end of Act 1, and, and all that. Um, right, yeah, where that's... I mean, I'm, I've already got all the all so, four stances. So Okay. <laughs> I got all four stances, and I'm, like, sitting here, I'm looking as my reputation keeps building, too, and I'm like, am I going to be the Ghost of Tsushima before I even finish the first act? Like... <laughs> um, so it is kind of that, but it's it's one of those things with op again with open world games where it's like this is a very copy paste game. It's like you're you're always going to be finding yellow birds. You're always going to be finding fox dens. You're going to be finding the same house to steal or not steal from. Um, and there's so many of these outposts, and it's like, did it need to be this big? Hmm. And that's also a question from a different angle that I le uh, level at Persona Five Royal. Persona 5 Royal, I'm around 96, 97 oh. hours. Uh, <laughs> look at your face. <laughs> so, so Persona 4 Golden, I finished it in the low 60-hour range, I want to say. Um, so that's that's a lot. Now, granted, The Witcher, the Witcher 3 and its expansions, I want to say I hit 110. Um, but so for me though, thinking about Persona 5 and thinking about The Witcher 3... Persona 5 is not an expansive world. Right. It's not so... Okay, so so speaking of, of Ghost of Tsushima, so I think the way I'm going to play it, I think the game is about the right size. Um, so for me, so what I did, essentially, just to start out, I hit the one of the first story quests it throws at me. Then I saw the next waypoint for that story quest was all the way on the other side of the map. So basically what I started doing was slowly making my way towards that, hitting points of interest along yeah. the way. And that's and, sort of how I've been doing it. Too. And, and so I'm probably not going to bother trying to get everything, be a completionist, 
Maybe I'll try and find... Oh, I think I heard there's 90 side quests or something like that. I don't know how many. I, I read that 90 or 90 side quests somewhere. I might try and find all 90 side quests. That might be something I do because I, I'm enjoying those. But so And so that's a lot of how I played The Witcher was, okay, here's, here's my next objective. I'm going to start walking towards my next, next objective and, and see what happens at points of interest along the way to my next objective. I find that to be a fun, rewarding way to play. Persona 5, that's, that's, a, that's, that's carrot for me. Walking around, going to a question mark and finding a chest or finding a side quest or finding a bunch of bandits that I have to kill. That's kind of, there's a little surprise and other stuff. Persona 5, especially after having finished Persona 4 last year, finally, feels like a lot of stick. Um, <laughs> like, I've happened to have looked at some spoilers, so I know which characters I need to get. Um, oh, so you, you're actually going to work towards the true ending? Yeah. I'm too late on that. I actually looked it up today. I'm like, oh, I, I got a new game plus this if I'm going to true ending it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for the true ending on the first run. But so, like, okay, well, you've got to level up. You want to level up this um, attribute so that you can, you know, have continue the leveling up the, your relationship with this, this character. character. Yeah. And you're like... And then you're, whatever, you finish a dungeon. And the dungeons are really great. Um, I love the dungeon design. This is, I might say that Persona 5 has maybe the best dungeons in any RPG I've ever played. I would not go that far. Especially because I'm thinking back to Wild Arms. And Wild Arms is kind of Zelda-esque dungeon design uh, with puzzle solving. But it's probably the best JRPG dungeon design in a long time. In a very, in a very long time. It's and and the dungeons are a lot of fun, and I, I get really caught up in them. Um, I just finished the the Egypt themed one, and yes. and that was like that was just great. It was just a great. It was a great mixture of like the the puzzle solving and also. Every little bit revealed more story. You got yeah. more story of a character that you're, care, you're beginning to care about. That's probably one of the top dungeons in the entire game, actually. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was some. That was just some great storytelling through. But then now I've got whatever twenty days until my next thing. So now it's like, okay, well now we're in grind mode. We're you know we're gonna have to talk to the right people, do the right activities. Min max our our afternoons and evenings to get all the right results to have the best and and that's where it just it's just so feels... weird to be doing that and it's and it's like I'm you know got to say the right things to the right people so that you won't have to waste encounters so you like that I think is the the the, the worst is because if you really. If you want to, and this is going to be an issue in the future too, like you need to have the right personas equipped firstly. You need to have the right personas in your party so you have all the different tarot card classes covered to give bonuses to your bonds. And then 
when you're in the actual scene, you need to make sure you say the right stuff. So if you're lucky, you can just do event after event without having to worry about um, taking them to a date, taking them to this or that. Right. Like that was one of the reasons why one of the characters that you got to get to level nine, and I didn't realize you had, I should have known, you have a limited amount of time with um, him. Most of the time... It was like, oh, my bond won't grow stronger with him yet. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, let me go max someone's bond in the meantime. Like, cause someone else is always going to have, like, a bond go up, right? Yeah. But then I kind of got in a cycle where some people were increasing faster than others. And I've learned, even after you max out Ryuji, dude, he's kind of the most worthless character in the party. It's a real shame, because his magic is lower than anyone else's. And physical attack is not very useful in this game. Yes, physical attack is not useful in Persona 5. And therefore, he has the least use out of any of the characters, with rare exception. Which, and, and this is where I feel like a... That's, that's, that's where it just becomes padding and a failure where you, you invested... And Persona 5 is, is a really interesting... Um, take on it because not only is it gameplay hours that you're putting into it but you're you have limited time within the game to complete all this yes where Ghost of Tsushima and it doesn't even work it doesn't even make sense sometimes because it's like okay weekdays you have to do after school and evening you'd think that on Sunday when you have off you'd have morning afternoon yeah. and evening no you've still only got two time slots on sunday now sunday should be like the day where you have extra time now this it's better than persona 4 because in persona 4 you could randomly build affinity in the evening but never rank up a character in the evening really yeah oh uh, yeah, well, and that's the thing, like, I read, I read, uh, someone's impressions, too, because there's a lot of people that, um, like to say Persona 3 better than Persona, or Persona 5 is. Because Persona 5, Persona 3. if you can get it on, on your breaking Vita. I can. <laughs> but, um, Persona, uh, 5 is definitely more streamlined, it's more mainstream friendly, and this person's talking about, like, Persona 3, like, People only had certain days to go with you into certain areas. Like the, the the schedule was more alive. They had their own thing going on. Whereas people will drop anything for Joker, just about because I have realized there are some days like like there were some days I was looking all over. It's like I want to level up Yusuke or Anne. Where are they? They're not in the in Shibuya. Where do they go? And you don't know where they went because they have their own things they're doing. So it does yeah. have that once in a while. Um, I can confirm Makoto is still best girl. Makoto, uh, yeah, I, I kind of got that impression. She really, it's funny because we were t one of the things we were talking about last time was also character depth. And she's one of the ones that is actually the most well realized. Because um, she's, she's got a lot of stuff going on beyond whatever her shtick was supposed to be. Hmm. Um, like, I like her side quests. I like her uh, main story, like everything. Um, and like even before she's part of your team, like one of my favorite things is when she's following you guys around, she's really got like the manga and everything. She's trying to look inconspicuous. Right. And um, she looks so incredibly conspicuous. Exactly. It's, it's so, so <laughs> yeah. it's like, And of course her motivations and goals. Whereas, and I think that's one of the weaknesses is Ryuji and Anne are there since the beginning, but they're also just the most plain 
of the characters. And then Yusuke is also so... I don't want to say comic, but he is so eccentric mm. that it kind of... and it, it, It's like by the time you get to Makoto, it's like, oh, this is like the most person, person, or like some yeah. of the most interesting of persons. Um, and... Uh, why is her name? Fukaba. Futaba. Futaba. Uh, she's probably one of the most interesting as well. Actually, yeah, just about from Makoto onward, Everybody gets those it. characters are in some way more interesting. Which is kind of a shame because at the same time, some of those areas is where I was feeling this game wear me down, especially like the next dungeon you're on. I'm gonna be I'm gonna find it interesting if you get through there and you're like, oh yeah, I did that boss real easy. Because of your Persona Four experience, Maybe. whereas me, I'm I I had to bang my head against the wall. Like now, no. did you were you, I didn't know if this was because of like trophies or save data or what. Were you able to get the like personas that were from past games? What do you mean? Like so, like the, the starter the or? starter persona. For like, so I was one of the one of the my heavy and heavy use. points I can't think of his name now. One of my heavy use plays a fool. Um, it's a fool persona. It's the it's the main persona. The first the, your starter persona from Persona Four. Four. I can't really. I, I don't. And know. then Orpheus is I think the starter persona from Persona Three. So do you have Orpheus or? I don't think I ever got them. I'd have to go back and check. I'm trying to think the other one was. Anyway, so what? one of the things that makes them super useful is that, um, or at least some, however I did it, they've got all the elements. Um, mm. Well, not all the elements. They have like five different elements, and I've been able to keep them up. Okay, yeah. I don't know how you got them, but I did not. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, but that that is that's a big game changer in speeding through... Dungeons and boss fights. Yeah, I can bet that'll probably pull be really useful for that boss. Actually, like um, oh, you're weak against lightning, lightning. Oh, you're weak against curse, curse. Like just boom, boom. A little bit, but well, uh, this guy's weak against. I, I'll talk to you about it. Well, after so, we'll take it after. But um, anyway, anyway, so we because we're, we're, we're but no, like um, that's the thing. Like Persona is a lot of text. It's a lot of. It, I think for me, part of it is like the social dynamic and the so social links and. There's a lot of that to juggle, and even mementos. Like actually, mementos. I must say, like as I said, that boss was a not a phenomenon, a um exception to whatever rule. Because even going through mementos, I can go through all the layers of a new area because most of the enemies are green, and therefore you can run them over and instantly get experience, instantly get money, instantly add one to your party or get experience for it. Like, it's... Even Mementos becomes a pushover. Because you're just leveling up without any fight... Like, without a lot of fights at all. Yeah. I went from level 53 to 59 before going to the final palace. And, like, the first like the first trip I go to the palace, I'm level 53. Every enemy is, is highlighted red to indicate they're strong. Um, after that, just burst through Mementos, go back. Everything is light blue or green. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of, 
grind and that it felt friendly to me and that I could just grind my guys and make it an easier dungeon. But at the same time, I'm avoiding so much combat by sneaking around anyway. So it's this weird, I don't know, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I do wonder, like, does this game need to be 90 hours, 90 some hours? And then there's like, if I had done things right, it would be even longer because there's like, I, I don't have the conditions for the extra semester. Which means I won't even be able to do anything with the new character they included, because that's when I think she joins your party. Uh, oh, so it's going to be like... So in Persona 4, there's a choice you make in the winter. And it's actually really hard to get. I, I, I ended up playing... Like, there's a, it's a dialogue tree that you need to find the perfect branch on the dialogue tree to unlock the true ending. Oh, goodness. Um... But I had I was doing rolling safe saves at that point. See, I was gonna you know what I was gonna do I I was gonna tell you to do rolling saves so that you would be able to go back far enough to build up the ranks you needed. But well, I technically kind of do because I had like four or five save files from that boss fight in case I needed to roll back further uh, and for all those different attempts. I finally and the thing is like when I looked online a lot of people were like you gotta just set it to merciless so you do like three times damage to every enemies on their weakness but it made like the last phase of the boss fight hard because the enemy has got no weakness like I said I'll talk to you about this yeah yeah it's, this is like you can't use all out attack during this fight at all sounds kind of ridiculous that's going to help make it difficult um yeah but then again like the, the, the boss after that push over the, the, the dungeon currently pushover like it's, it's it, we'll see what the final boss that, is and see, that also makes like that makes other things that you do in the game like mementos where which is largely about the grind it really is it makes it it makes it feel even like kind of useless if like not, I don't know useless but it just it, I might not even be able to complete mementos because of the inability to get some of the true ending stuff like I don't know how the game's gonna end because I and this is this is what I hate when you like this is like maybe maybe they'll give you an, an ability to go back and not do the whole game I don't know but like that's where it just feels like it's so disrespectful of a game right to be like <laughs> oh you played this game for ninety six hours oh well, well, it's too bad you're gonna have to do new game plus to get thing. the real ending Here's, that's the thing like there's the 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 and that's where I actually have mixed feelings because you have the the. You have the typical modern, which is like, I want to play this game once and get everything and be done with it. And then you have where I believe we should be replaying games more often if we can. And for a game like this, I have mixed feelings about that because I'm already almost 100 hours of time investment. In that time, I will have been able to beat Bloodborne twice. So And think about that for a minute. Also, when I think about something like... And then you have, like... The New Game Plus will at least speed it along, because the benefit to New Game Plus is I don't have to worry about maxing out my other stats. I'm already going to have maxed out Guts, Kindness, Charm, and everything. Well, um, I'm going to be able to just focus on the social links, but then, what is New Game Plus going to be? It's going to be like speeding through dungeons so that I can do the social links, and then I'm going to be... I'm going to be... Pardon me. I'm going to be grinding social links. So it is going to be a grind of a New Game Plus. It's... Yeah. So, and so, well, so when I think about something too, where I think the challenge with that, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to do, and I'm sure there's lots to miss. So like, I just, 
I don't feel so. I don't think it's a game designed to be played once, but I know you can because I have a friend. But here's the thing: she did, I believe, over 120 hours, everything in Persona Five Royal to platinum it. But she also already played the original Persona Five twice. Okay. So this is effectively her third time through the game. So she just yeah. She's going to have a much better idea. Of, how, of, like, when to maximize these things, when to maximize these things. And, and um, what are the best... Yeah, so, like, eating, eating a giant cheeseburger and stuff like that. Yes. Um, to get guts. What are the best ways to raise your guts? Yeah. So, the... I guess what I... What I part of the problem with something like this is it... Like, like you said, she's going to do a 120-hour platinum run. Is, for the most part, you can do just about everything in one run and there's not a huge difference in things like you know who your waifu ends up being or something like that yeah. you then, can evidently also date multiple ones of them but it'll result in a bad ending interesting um i i'm can you like have nobody probably is that also a bad ending um, i don't know if that would be a bad ending but you could probably still have nobody but anyway i mean but why would you not date makoto come on that's a good question <laughs> um so i can get a different ending than you um, but I'm already go. getting the, the different ending. Yes, but you so, are. So when I think about something like, again, not to like, but just as a comparison for a 100-hour game that I see as having replay ability would be The Witcher 3, where so many different things can happen in the course of that 100 hours. Does the Bloody Baron kill himself? Does the Bloody Baron's wife kill herself? Like, does, like... Spoilers! Um, that's just, like, one thing. That can happen. Well, it's um, kind like, of actually, and, and then and I'm gonna go back to something we both have played, um, Dragon Age Origins. Right. Oh yeah. Dragon Age Origins is probably Bioware's best example of different. Even though the ending is just like text on the screen, I played through that game two times uh, within like the same summer. One as like I'm going to play the good quiet dwarf guy. That right. is honorable. And then I'm going to play the very angry, vengeful city elf girl. That's very angry. And just, like, especially that playthrough where I was having her romance Alistair, but then I had to betray him. That was, like, a heartbreaking scene. It was so good. It's like, that that yeah. was worth a second playthrough. Or there's, right. That, that there's, was worth a second playthrough. Where I think that, so, like for example, the the last expansion, Blood and Blood and Wine, is of Witcher, of Witcher Three. Yeah. So a large chunk of it has to has to do with basically your choices and who you chose to romance, and so they come to move in with you, and then you have in when you get your estate or whatever that you accidentally inherit in Blood and Wine. Yeah. But then that that creates like a whole different arc. Um, depending on who is it, Yennefer, is it, um, shoot, I forget everybody's name now. But anyway, so we're like, Triss. Triss, yeah. Um, or I think, I think there's a way to, to, to do the blonde wizard. I don't know who the blonde wizard is. Or the is. blonde witch or whatever. A sorceress, excuse me. I so, only know Yennefer and Triss. So, anyway, um, Elena? Elena? Anyway, might, but like, there's all these things that. that make me want to, that, that are mutually exclusive to each playthrough. Right. Yeah. Where and so I feel like a, a hundred-hour game 
that doesn't have very much mutually exclusive content will then also want you to replay it, like that just feels wrong. Like a twenty-five, okay, a twenty-five hour, if it were a twenty-five hour game. Here's here's something else that, and I, here's the thing: I don't know if this is actually how things can be, because um, this is where I get my imperfect information. But it's in part based off of just reading interviews with Japanese developers and gamers, and like I'm thinking of the otaku, and the otaku who does not do much with his time. And therefore has different expectations than the American gamer is going to have. And um, in those expectations is multiple playthroughs, with diff- but also the ability of mastery over time. Mm. Um, like, dating sims in particular are very particular with the... In particular are particular. Um, <laughs> dating sims will have multiple routes, and then they'll have, like, they'll have the bad route, where, like, every girl hates you and you go to hell. Because right. you couldn't get a girlfriend. Um, you get the individual route where, you know, you go steady with just one girl in that route. And then you get, like, the player route where all the girls end up being part of your harem. Like, you have all of these different kinds of things going down. And Persona has dating sim blood in it. When I first heard about it with Persona 3, I knew this. Um, Mm. And so that might be part of it. Where, like, you know, your first route, you're learning the game, and then... And you even see this in, like, Platinum games. Or Platinum games is, like, normal mode is tutorial mode. Right. Or Devil Hunter mode in Devil May Cry is tutorial mode. You're really meant to play it after that, because um, eventually you're meant to get right. the Dante Must Die mode or something. But um, but and that's where you also have a different emotional connection. And this is my guesswork. This is me based off of interviews and other things. Where you've watched My Hero Academia, you've watched some anime. You know how melodramatic characters can get. And some otaku players and other stuff will get that melodramatic when they play I think don't take this as gospel don't take this as fact but I think so So, part of this is like here's our perspective of playing a Japanese game but with our western mentality and appeal and ideas Um, and yet we're also speaking a figurative and literal different language than the people that are making it yeah I get that so and I guess what's interesting though so we're sort of there's two sides of this this conversation we're having right now. One is right now we're talking about Persona Five, which is a hundred plus hour game, which I think should be a sixty hour game. Yes. And on the other end of that conversation, we're talking about the the Ubi the Western open, open, world, open the world. Western open world stuff where they make thirty hour games that should be fifteen hour games. In a lot of cases, yes. And it's funny because there was a. Um, Jack Packard, who was a previously uh, previously recorded, uh, currently Red Letter Media, and Yahtzee Croshaw of Zero yeah. Punctuation do a series called Slightly Civil War, where they toss a coin and argue for or against, determine who argues for or against or something. And when they did their Is Breath of the Wild Really That Good episode, Yahtzee Croshaw's major point against it was open world games. And are they really all that good? And one of the biggest things is... Again, like you say, a 15-hour game. Now, a lot of people think more is better, but with Ghost of Tsushima, I'm sitting here like, is it? Would this game lose something if it was slimmed down 
and more linear and more this that and I think there's a yes and a no to that um and again like I'll, I'll know when I've played further of Ghost of Tsushima mm -hmm. but in some cases I'm like this is a different approach to taking down outposts until you conquer a whole zone but this is what I did in Infamous this is already what I've done in Infamous. Now, granted, in Infamous, you get attacked a lot more when you're in that enemy zone. You'd have to deal right. with a lot more ruffians. Here, you can run run into Mongols, but you can also avoid them way more easily than you can do hostile forces in most other games of these types. Yeah, and I think that's... So, that was part of my, my perspective on Ghost of Tsushima, where my and impression... Carrot, carrot. You're the, right. You're right, the carrot. But also where it's... It didn't feel like it was forcing me to do everything. I'm doing the things which I choose to do along my journey, essentially. You know what? There's something else that I realized too. There have been of all the like of all the 14 different forts I did, only three of them had what you could call emerging gameplay experiences. Hmm. Two of them were, I think, bandits trying to raid the Mongols. One, I went in right at the start and was just watching, like, what the heck is going on? One of them, I think I arrived at the tail end of it. But then the third one, two bears just randomly just charged right into the Mongol fort. And just started, like, fighting them. And the bears put up a better fight than the uh, Japanese the bandits. bandits. Nice. But that's where it, it's, like, that's something that was truly emergent and does not happen all the time. Versus, I'm thinking now of when I played Far Cry 3, where it felt like they were trying for emergent gameplay so hard that it was like every five minutes there was something. There was an animal, there was a bandit yeah. in a truck, there was this, there was that. And I think one of the things that Ghost of Tsushima does, it doesn't get in the way of you having the fun that you want. It has some of this emergent stuff, but it gives you ways to avoid it. And it makes it so when it does happen, it's special. So, no, I, I, I totally, I think I totally agree with that. And I think, I think Ghost of Tsushima is an example of doing it well. I look at Assassin's Creed Origins as an example of doing it not well. Where my feeling my in that game was you go to a new area, 100 quest markers pop up. Okay, in order to proceed with the story, I need to go go to all those quest markers and do all those things. And now I can proceed with a story where Ghost of Tsushima is saying to me, look at these things you can do as you're proceeding with the story. Yeah. Stop and take a breath. Go to a hot spring. Find a fox. Help a villager. Um, yeah, it's got its story it's, it wants to tell, but it doesn't want its desire to tell that story to get in the way of how you want to play the game. And I'm not going to 100% this game. I'm not going to find all the strongholds and reclaim all the territory. Um, I don't know if I will, because I found like, some of the banners, I've, uh, most of the banners I found in the forts, right? Mm -hmm. One I found very in the, early on under a bridge. Then another one I just found in the middle of a field. So I'm looking, I'm like, I gotta find 80 of these banners. I don't know if I want to do that Assassin's Creed level crap again. Yeah, right. But so, but so I'm not gonna do that. I'm going to have a somewhat organic journey through this game. 
and and kind of enjoy it for what it is. And so in that way, I can see where having a game that's bigger than it needs to be is good, as long as it's kind to the player, essentially. For me, then, it would help... See, hmm... Because, you, you know what? Maybe part of this is also something that you can level up Breath of the Wild. Because for me, and I understand some of the reasons why, because even Breath of the Wild did not reveal the full map to you. You had to climb the tower to get the full section of that map, but from then you can zoom in and you had a very detailed map you can scour. Um, so Breath of the Wild had at least one thing in each zone to direct you, to guide you, to try and find that mm -hmm. stuff. But I am wondering if maybe the whole fog of war element, because to me that's part of what makes this map feel... It urges me to complete it. And if you maybe did a open world, that, and maybe there are more open worlds like this. It's been a while. Like I haven't dabbled in this genre a lot lately. I did not play Red Dead Redemption uh, 2. I did not play Red Dead Redemption 1. So, I mean, I didn't play Red Dead Revolver either. Um... But the, the, maybe it would help to just, you put the player in the world, and maybe you have something that can clear huge swathes of a map, but by giving me that, you know, like, here's the number of territories that you, outposts you've taken care of. Here's, like, you, now you're giving me that checklist element. Right. And I think at the very least, that's what Breath of the Wild did decently, is you never really had a checklist. Your checklist was Ganon's Tower, here's four divine beasts that you don't even have to do. Everything else was me just exploring the world, finding stuff, and there's a lot of stuff I didn't find. There's a lot of stuff yeah. I didn't find until near the end. And some of that I would call that a problem with that game's design. Like, I love Breath of the Wild, but it's not flawless. There are things that I think it did wrong. Um, but when it comes to what I want out of an open world game, and that was a game that came out when I did have a full-time job, that I was commuting, I wasn't working from home yet. So to that extent, it's um, a game that I was only playing when I had free time to do so. Um, but it still, I felt rewarded for that time playing because I dictated everything. And I think for me, that's the big thing, is how much agency do I feel like I have in this open world? And who knows? Like, again, like, because even Breath of the Wild I had to take breaks from. That yeah. was, like, a game I put 90-some hours into itself, but I didn't play it all at once. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe, like, for me, what I got to get used to is if I'm playing a 90-hour game, and I kind of understand this, I'm going to need breaks from it. And that's where I think maybe for Ghost of Tsushima, I'll be able to tolerate it more. Because I know, like, in the past, I've just hammered at a game and I'm like when is this done when is this done and I end up doing stuff I don't need to to complete it yeah so maybe for me knowing that I'm taking this break because after I'm done Persona 5 Royal I'll probably dabble between this and so Ghost of Tsushima and Sakura Wars a bit which is a much shorter JRPG which should be a nice switch um, actually, <laughs> short JRPG you know what? what here's another actually because I, I completely I already completely forgot about it I'm probably going to drop it Doom Eternal completed five missions out of 13 and I feel like I should be like halfway through the game. Granted, I'm a little less than half, but that's part of the thing. Like, close to half. I'm, I'm roughly a third-ish. 
But that's that's where it's like the levels feel longer than they ought to be. The game feels like and, and Doom twenty sixteen felt this way to me too. So it's I'm probably not like I, I'm not having enough fun with Doom Eternal versus Ghost of Tsushima. I knew I needed a break. That's because I was having a lot of fun just playing it, just just playing it. Doom Eternal. I don't want to just drop it because they spent 60 bucks on it, but it's like, you know what? It's for somebody else, man. It's not. It's, it's not. not for it's you. not for me. So there you go. That's an example of a completely different genre, but an example of how a game can be too indulgent in itself. Where it's like, and it's something else I realized that helped because at least Doom 2016, the world feels connected to itself. You don't feel like you're just going from map to map to map. You, like there's shooter arenas, and it's all shooter arenas. But like there was a sense of progression even in the setting, not just the narrative. Right. Doom Eternal, you're just jumping around all over the place. They have more story, and yet it feels like you're just going places to fight things, and that gets monotonous. I have no sense of place. I have no sense of the world. I don't even know how it follows up. Like, they, they, like there's a whole like missing chapter. This feels like Doom 2016-3, if that makes sense. It does not feel like the sequel to Doom 2016. It feels like the sequel to the sequel to Doom 2016. Pardon me again. Um, Whereas, like, the original Doom and Doom 2, like, Doom 2 literally starts at the end of... If I recall correctly, you... What's... what's you basically... At dude, the I end don't of, know. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know. Oh, you don't know? Okay. If I recall, you defeat the Spider Mastermind, and you, or Spider Demon, whatever it is, and then you take a portal to Earth, only to find that the demons are already back on Earth. And then Doom 2 starts, and you're fighting demons on Earth. And then, and then you go back to Hell and kill the, whatever, the next yeah. Master Demon guy. And it seems like that was the direction they were going with Eternal, but now they got this weird, like... Alien fantasy Viking religion thing that and other it's too much. It's too much, especially when you consider how Doom 2016, what everyone loved about it was how the Doom Marine did not care about the story, just like the player. Until they forced you to sit there and listen to the enemy monologue. I have issues with Doom 2016. But as much as I didn't I, get, I didn't as somebody who played Doom and Ultimate Doom and Doom 2 and Quake. Quake 2, um, and... Uh, the you know, id software library. The, the entire Doom 3, uh, I mean, literally, yeah. I played the id software library up into a certain point, and Heretic and Hexen and Heretic 2, and, like, you would think that Doom 2016, it's a return to form for id software, would have, like, lit me on fire. And a lot of people felt that way. And it just didn't light me on fire. Um, so I'm, that's... I'm Jim Morrison, and I wanted it to light my fire, baby, but didn't. So that's our talk on uh, bloating in games, just long games. I think this long is going to be... Hey, games. Steve, what do you think of long games? Carrots uh, and sticks. There you go. I'm out of carrots, but there's plenty of sticks to hit people with. But that's uh, that's it for us tonight. As, as usual, go to www.ramblepack64.com. Ramblepack with no C. Uh, ramblepack64 at gmail.com if you want to just, I don't know, communicate. Or there's the discuss thing where you can just sign in and talk. So there's a whole bunch of ways you can communicate. So either way, 
Uh, that's us for that's all from us tonight. Uh, everyone have a good night. Have a good night.